Hello and welcome to another episode of The Recap. I'm your host, Wayman Wilkerson, and thank you for joining me. Okay, so before we get into the usual talk of WNBA, just want to take a moment to discuss these tragedies that's been happening lately uh, with Fidel Castile and Alton Sterling, the Dallas PD, and just, it's just, this has got to stop. It's just beyond the point of disgust. And the main thing that made me think about it is I went to the Seattle-Indiana game a few days ago, and there was a moment of silence, yet again, for something crazy that happened. And it made me think that this was probably the fourth time this year alone that we've had to do this because of some craziness. It's almost commonplace, and it shouldn't be that way, and we have to do better. So I was glad when I saw the Minnesota Lynx uh, actually take an active stand on it. So before the game with the Dallas Wings, the four captains, uh, Waylon, Moore, Augustus and Fowles, held a press conference. And they came on stage and their shirts had a statement that said, change starts with us. And on the back it had the names of Philando Castile, Alton Sterling, and the Dallas PD logo. And essentially their statement was revolving around ideas about the Black Lives Matter movement, dealing with excessive force, police brutality, systemic racism, and trying to start talks and conversations about what can change, how can things change and be better for everyone. Apparently the officers there took issue with that and they left the game. They did not work the game that night. I mean, I don't see how you don't do your job even though you're contractually obligated to do it, but whatever. What I didn't appreciate though was the statements that came out from the police department or more specifically the police union be the president of the Minneapolis Police Union, basically said that he supported his officers who were walking out and that the Minnesota Lynx are basically a pathetic draw. That's why they only have four volunteers, which, one, I was just taken aback because that's incredibly unprofessional. I don't see how anyone in a position of power like that just belittles uh, a partner in your community. That's just, that's not the most effective way of handling disputes and issues. You don't do that. And two, it just shows an incredible lack of maturity and just empathy for a topic that is very real for many people and minorities, minorities such as myself. And we have to live with these things on a daily basis. Now, look, this isn't a social political podcast. I'm not going to. I am the last person to tell anyone how they should live their lives and what needs to change. I'm just a, a stupid guy that likes to talk about sports. That's it. All I'll say, though, is that don't be a dick to one another. Just be cool, all right? Just treat other people as you want to be treated yourself. And the only other thing is a little bit of compassion goes a long way. It really does. And I can understand sometimes there's issues that make you feel uncomfortable. You don't know how to relate to it or empathize with it. But just listen for a couple of minutes. Don't just try to talk over people or bury your head in the sand. Just listen. That's all, that's all people want sometimes. It's just someone to listen to them about what they're feeling. Like I said, a little compassion goes a long way. All right, so I'm off my soapbox about that. Let's get into the games. Okay, so last week I did my mid-season status report which was my way of looking at all the teams at midseason, which technically we're at since a lot of these teams have played 
you know, 18 to 20 of their 34 regular season games. So I really felt that this was a great place just to stop, look at each of these teams, what they've been doing, what they need to do to be better, or their weaknesses, and what they will look like before they head into the midseason break for the Olympics in a couple of weeks. And, okay, I'll also admit, I did think that many of these teams would start to pack it in. They're just looking for that one-month break, and they're just a couple of weeks away, so there weren't going to be any real changes and shifts in the landscape before then. And, oh, boy, was I wrong, and I could not be happy about it because the slate of games from last week was really entertaining. I saw a lot of things that made me perk my ears up, and there have been a lot of great developments. And this is why sports is so great. Even in this age of big data and over-analytics, you can never predict what is going to happen. Nothing is certain. Case in point, look at the Golden State Warriors. Everyone was so certain that Golden State would pull it off. Even in Game 7, even right down to the last two minutes, everyone thought Golden State's going to win. The number's on their side. And that did not happen at all. LeBron James will the Cavaliers to a championship against all odds. Easily one of the greatest moments in sports history. Again, nothing is a certainty when it comes to sports. Hence, the theme of this week is parody because there is so much action going on. Even the top teams are kind of looking suspect, kind of seeing some cracks in the armor there. There may be a slight fall in rise for some teams before we hit that on the big break. All right, so first game up is the Chicago Sky versus the Minnesota Lynx. The Lynx took this game 82-87, and this was the atypical game for the Lynx. Bring out their core group of veterans, and they do what they do, and they do it perfectly. However, the Chicago team is looking a little bit different. Pokey Chapman is playing around with some of the starting lineup changes. Case in point, She's starting the rookie Imani Boyette over Erica DeSouza and Jameer Faulkner over Breland. And it kind of works. I like how young and dynamic they are because with those two changes, they are a little bit quicker on offense, a little bit more physical. And I think some of that may have to do with the youth, especially with Boyette because she is a blocking machine. She is great down in the post defensively. Elena Deladon is still Elena Deladon. She's great. She's actually put up some better numbers slightly than last year when she was the MVP. And I think a lot of that has to do with what Pokey Chapman has said. Pokey has actually made it known that she wants Deladon taking 20, 25 shots, get into the line because she is that effective at the line. She shoots 95% from the free throw line. Deladon showing no signs of slowing down. The game versus the Lynx, she dropped 38 points and 10 rebounds, netting a nice double-double. I will mention, though, that Courtney Vandersloot rolled her ankle early in the first, and this is an ankle she's previously had trouble with, so that's definitely something to keep an eye on going forward. But she did bounce back for that because she did play later in the half, but she really wasn't that effective. On the Lynx side of things, pretty much a whole starter bench did what they usually do in double digits, but the real star, of course, was Maya Moore. Dropped 33 points, 6 rebounds, and I'm going to talk about her more later in a different game. As for this game specifically, the Sky have basically taken on the mantle of the Chicago Bulls, like I said before. They play hard, they play tough, but when it comes down to it, at the last second, 
they kind of falter or they just don't have the horsepower. And that is what happened here. Chicago still has this problem of fourth quarter meltdowns, and I don't know why. But even aside from that, I do think that Chicago does lack a certain confidence in those situations because they do tend to play with a tad bit of desperation when they're trailing in the fourth. The Sky are a good team. They definitely have the talent. They just really need to knuckle down and learn how to deal with crunch time situations. All right, so next up we have the Dallas Wings versus the Phoenix Mercury. This is round three for these two teams. And the Dallas Wings take it 77 to 74. Now, here's a fun fact for you. The Phoenix Mercury average 86.6 points per game. That is the most of any team in the league. That, that, that doesn't even make sense when you think about it. How can you average the most points per game and be one of the worst teams in the league? But apparently that is the case with the Mercury. I don't know if that's bad karma, a function of bad coaching, or both. Whatever the case is, and I'll be honest, I don't think it's bad coaching. Brondello is not a bad coach. Uh, again, this goes back to what I said before, this untangible issue of what the F is going on in Phoenix. I'll talk about them later, but first I want to talk about the Dallas Wings. This game was definitely the Glory Johnson show. Had the ultimate revenge game against the Mercury and, by extension, Brittany Griner by dropping 23 points and 22 rebounds. 22 rebounds is just nuts. On average, you know, most people may get four, six rebounds a game. She does 22. That's insane. Kudos to her. Love that. And the Hellion, Ariel Powers, does it again. 17 points, followed by Odyssey Sims with 19 points. And speaking of Odyssey Sims, she has the craziest arc I've seen on a jump shot ever. That thing is a moon ball. Hell, no, it's not a moon ball. It's a goddamn bell curve. I swear, from the time that ball leaves her hand, it takes a good four or five seconds for it to hit the rim. But hey, girl, I, I ain't hating. If it works, keep doing it. It's amazing, and it works. All right, on the Mercury set of things, leading scorer, obviously, Deanna Taurasi, 22 points, still fiery as ever. And the rest of the start of five, Griner, Bonner, Dupree, all in double digits. I mean, but at the end of the day, it just wasn't enough. The Wings came out strong, and they pretty much controlled the pace of the game from start to finish. I will admit, the Phoenix Mercury are playing better basketball together. Uh, I don't think the addition of Bone has been that great. She's still finding her feet with that team, but they are playing better basketball. This team, they need Penny Taylor back in a bad way. She's still dealing with that hip contusion, so she still has not been cleared to play. But they need her back in a bad way. All right, next game, the L.A. Sparks versus the Indiana Fever. And as you can probably guess, L.A. won again, 94-88. But here's the thing. This is the first game that L.A. could have legitimately lost. They were sweating for those last two minutes of the game. Now, they controlled the floor of this game pretty much the entire time until the last couple of minutes of the fourth quarter where they started to go through some breakdowns and the Fever rallied back in good fashion. On the Fever side of things, you can thank Tiffany Mitchell, the rookie, stepping up and becoming the leading scorer on that team. She's the main reason the Fever were able to rally back because she is a terror on the wing. Followed it up with Tamika Catchings, who was just stretching the floor all over the place, and Erlena Larkins. I love her work in the post. 
She is the only constant good thing of that Indiana team besides Tamika Catchings. And she definitely proved her work in this game, dropping 18 points and 8 rebounds. However, on the spark side of the ball, Essence Carson could have been a huge liability to them in this game. So it's Indiana's ball, about 30 seconds left, gets to Tiffany Mitchell, who has previously been dropping threes left to right on the Sparks, bringing his team back within striking distance. So instead of just locking her down, not allowing her to shot, Essence Carson does not contest the shot at all, lets her get the shot off and ties up the game. Now it's only 24 seconds left. Come out the timeout, it's now LA's ball. They run it back. They score two and one, puts LA up by three. Now it's Indiana's ball, only eight seconds left. Now it's Indiana's ball again, only eight seconds left now. And they're down by three. They call a timeout, advance the ball forward. Now they're practically in the same situation they are again. They need to inbound the ball and get it to their best shooter ever. In this case, Tiffany Mitchell. They find her. She comes off the weak screen at the top of the key. Candace Parker blocks the shot, runs it back for the score and one, and LA solidifies their win safely. But the Fever definitely had LA on the ropes for those last few minutes. And for the first time, I finally spotted the flaws in the LA Sparks. Flaw number one, they have weak perimeter defense, especially on the pick and pop. If you come out the screens and if you're fast enough, you could take advantage of it all day. And that is what the Fever did to this team, is they took advantage of them off pick and pop, off the elbow. Flaw number two, and I found this even more surprising, LA is a horrible rebounding team. Seattle is the worst team by far in terms of rebound. They have been out-rebounded every single game they've played so far. But guess who is the second worst rebounding team in the league? The LA Sparks. Now that one floored me as well because I was not expecting that. It kind of makes sense. When you're so good offensively that you don't need to make rebounds or you don't allow second chance shots, who needs rebounding? But apparently they could have used that because Elena Larkins and Kaiser made sure that they got every second chance rebound and took opportunities on that. But it is something to keep in mind, especially if sharpshooters like Christy Tolliver is having an off night. You can definitely take advantage of that by grabbing the rebounds because they don't do a good job in that particular area. And on one sad note, Neko Agumake did not get her average double-double. She only put up a pedestrian 23 points, 3 rebounds, 3 assists, but whatever. Who's counting? No, make no mistake about it. LA is still the best team in this league, bar none, hands down. All I'm saying is, I'm starting to see the chinks in the armor. Okay, a couple more games and we'll be done. Next up... We got the Atlanta Dream versus the Dallas Wings with the Atlanta Dream winning 95-90. to What the fuck? This is not the team I have been watching all season. The team I saw play Dallas was dynamic. They were very explosive offensively. And they had some of the best defense I've seen all season. That is not the team that I've been watching all season who have nearly put me to sleep sometimes because of how disjointed they look, because of how flat they look offensively. I do not know what kind of body snatches mess is going on here because I was captivated watching that dream team from start to finish. I mean, this dream team came out strong. They were unified. There were zero turnovers on their part. In fact, they played defense so well, they were creating turnovers. Maybe I need to rewatch 
the Atlanta Dream Games again because this is not the team I've seen all season. Angel McCautry, career night for her, gets the elusive triple-double, 27 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. Congratulations. That was amazing. She was such a delight to watch. Tiffany Hayes, 27 points, 6 assists. Sancho Little, actually like Sancho Little. As I mentioned before, love her work in the pulse. She's great defensively and a huge part of the turnovers they created. Getting a nice double-double with 14 points and 10 rebounds. Just great play all around. I salute everyone involved in that damn team. Great ball playing all around. That first half of basketball was amazing. Now notice I said that first half of basketball was amazing because the second half, it was all about the Dallas Wings who came back and rallied strong. Double-double for Karima Christmas, 18 points, 15 rebounds. Again, another Glory Johnson explosion, 15 points, 16 rebounds. Courtney Paris, just short of the double-double, 13 points, 8 rebounds. Skylar Diggins, I do not know what is going on with her. This is the third game now I've seen her with unforced turnovers coming off the dribble. That aside, this was a great performance for the Dallas Wings. And sadly for the Dream, as for Atlanta in the second half, basically reverted to what I have come to expect. Just some very disjointed play and just very streaky in terms of how explosive they are offensively. I don't know what happened, but they definitely lost the spark. The game did get a little chippy in the second half for both of those teams. So there was a lot of stoppages in play. They practically doubled the amount of fouls they had in the second half. So that did add to some of the very flat gameplay. That aside, Skylar Diggins was the main reason that they did stay in the game. They're sending them into overtime. Angel McCautry fouled out in overtime, but Laser Clarendon, and yes, I like calling her Laser Clarendon. I think that's a more fitting name because she is definitely a sharpshooter. She kept the Dream's hopes alive and led them ultimately to their win. And on one important note, Glory Johnson did take a nasty hit with Elizabeth Williams uh, in the second half of the game, and she's out in the concussion protocol now. So I don't like how things are shaping up for this Dallas Wings team going forward. Uh, they're already missing Planet Johnson. Uh, she was out when they played Seattle. She took a nasty hit against Takashi. She's been in the concussion protocol now for the past four or five games now. And that Glory Johnson to that list, it does not look good because she is a critical factor just because of how dominant she is on the floor. Really going to miss watching her play, but uh, they got to do the same thing and make sure that she's all right before she checks back in. All right, in the last game, my game of the week, the Connecticut Sun versus the Minnesota Lynx. And the winner is the Connecticut Sun triumph over the Lynx, 93-89. to If you've been following my podcast and my blog, I've been talking about how the Sun have been playing better basketball week from week. They're just a young team. And honestly, this does not surprise me. Okay, look, if you run this in your nerdy 538 machine in some simulation, the Lynx are going to win this game 8 out of 10 times. This just happened to be that 20% game that they will win. And it was amazing. The competitiveness they showed and the way they were just able to hang with the Lynx. Very impressive display. And I just could not be more proud of those young kids there. Seriously, 
it feels as though the Sun are just playing with house money at this point. They know they're not going to go to the playoffs, even though I am one of the few people that actually think they can make it. But they're pretty much resigned to the fact that they're not going to make the playoffs. So they are just playing with many different lineup choices, like starting John Cool Jones, the rookie, and Courtney Williams, who I am so proud has found her space in this Sun team, becoming a nice, solid contributor in this team and a starter. But the real stars of this show was Chidi Agumike and Alex Bentley. Chidi Agumike basically took a page out of her sister's playbook and had a monster night. 23 points, 7 rebounds. And Alex Bentley was huge. She was the main reason that the Sun were able to pull off this win. But surprisingly, if you watch this game, Minnesota actually led this game for the majority of it. They led from start all the way till about the three to two minute mark of this game. And they were up by eight points. So how did they lose? Well, it was a combination of things, really. Some of it bad luck, but mostly Lindsey Whalen and Alex Bentley. So with about a minute left in the game, Whalen is bringing the ball up court. And Brunson sets the screen. And as Whalen is passing by, Chinia Gumake somehow comes around and knocks the ball away. The Sun get the ball back. They run it back. Bentley nails a three, ties the game up. Now there's only two seconds left. It's Minnesota's ball. So coming out the timeout, the Lynx quickly inbound the ball. They get it to Waylon, who is practically right underneath the basket. And she puts up the shot and completely misses it, sending the game into overtime. So we jump into overtime, and Bentley is still on her hot streak. And overtime, it was basically trading shots. And Bentley just continues her hot streak and keeps the sun in the game all the way into the last three seconds of the game, which Maya Moore has called for the offensive foul. It's the Sun Ball, and Connecticut wins the game. And this was a game no one saw coming. And I'm pretty sure if you bet on it, you made a nice little mint. But in all intents and purposes, the Lynx were supposed to win this game. And they should have. But like I said before, it's sports and crazy things just happen. And finally, I have to talk about the Storm. This show would not be complete unless I talked about the Seattle Storm. It's gotta happen. So Seattle has been on a loser streak. They dropped one to the Liberty, they dropped one to the Dream, but they did beat the San Antonio Stars. But I mean, come on, it's the San Antonio Stars. They don't have Kayla McBride. And aside from Curry, Hamby, and Mariah Jefferson, they're pretty much like Seattle. The rest of that bench is not worth mentioning. I don't mean any offense to anyone, but that team is not good. You're supposed to beat the Stars. So it's not worth doing backflips. But as I mentioned at the start of this podcast, I did go to the Storm game versus the Indiana Fever. This was also part of the Tamika Catchings retirement tour. And there was a very lovely tribute to her. A lot of the players said some very nice things about her. Clearly someone who has had a very huge impact on the league and she will be missed. Also, very charitable. All of her charities and philanthropic endeavors. Again, I just don't have words to express it, but... Just a very impressive individual, and she will be missed. So thank you, Tamika Catchings. It's been an honor and a pleasure to watch you play, and I wish you the best of luck in all of your future endeavors. All right, so for this game, it was pretty much your usual suspects. No one really jumped out, aside from Stewie, as per usual. Having a monster night at home, puts up a double-double, 32 points, 11 rebounds. Oh, <laughs> 
<laughs> On a side note, during warm-ups, Brianna Stewart tried to dunk, but she didn't get up high enough and the rim basically rejected her. So that was a little embarrassing for her, but ah, it was still funny. But anyway, back to this game. Um, pretty much, it, it hits the same beats as before. The Storm come out strong, dictate the pace of the game in the first half, then come out flat in the second. Indiana rallies back and they just win the game flat out. And again, it's the same issue. Poor production from the bench. Although, Takashi did have some burn in the first half. She put up 8 points, uh, 10 points total for the night. So she did have a little bit of burn, but overall, still just a, a terribly mismanaged player. Just not a good fit for this system at all, and or at least the way that they use her. Because as I said before, I do think Tak could be good in the right system if they help develop her game. But the way they use it now, it is just not to anyone's benefit. And as per usual, there is no one else on that bench worth mentioning for Seattle. I, I seriously do not know what they're going to do in this offseason because they're not going to make the playoffs. And this team is really going to have to ask some very hard questions going forward about what can they do to get better and build around their two franchise star players. Anyway, back to the here now. I will be going to the game on Friday when they play the Washington Mystics. And it's also the night they'll retire Lauren Jackson's jersey. Now, I've said this before that this is my first year following the WNBA very seriously. Watching these games, following players, reading up on news, etc. But I have never, ever seen Lauren Jackson play before. And I'm trying to catch up watching YouTube clips and interviews and whatnot just to get a sense of what I should anticipate going into Friday because based on some of the Seattle Storm websites I've been visiting and Facebook group and Twitter, it's going to be a huge and crazy night there. And the last thing I want to do is show up like, oh, I don't know, who, who the hell is Lauren Jackson? So that should be an interesting experience. And I'll talk more about that in next week's podcast. Aside from that, uh, the Storm will play my hometown Chicago Sky a few days after that on Sunday. And I will be at the game as well. Alright, so we're going to close out right now with the power rankings for week 9. And number 1, obviously, the LA Sparks. Still, hands down, best team in the league. Don't need to talk about that. Despite the close call with the Fever, there is still no one touching this team. Number 2, the Minnesota Lynx. Had a bit of a rough stretch there with some losses. Uh, again, this team is solid. They're veterans. They'll figure it out. They faced adversity before. Much tougher than this. They'll get it figured out. Number three, the New York Liberty. The Liberty have been playing very well. And this Rebecca Allen kid is starting to make a name for herself. Keep an eye on her. And Zowie B definitely starting to make a name for herself. But not be surprised if she becomes a trade target for a couple of teams. Number four, the Washington Mystics. Okay, I have been placing the Mystics a little bit higher up than they need to be. And that's mostly because I believe in this team talent. And I still do. However, they're starting to eat losses to some of these top teams. Sure, they'll beat the Sun and they'll beat the Wings every now and then. But when it comes to facing some true teams like the Atlanta Dream or the Chicago Sky and they can't close, that is going to start to worry me. If this team wants to be truly legitimate champions, they are going to have to start taking on some of these tougher teams and beating them in true fashion and not just be competitive. 
Number five, the Atlanta Dream. I, I just, I, I really want the Dream to play like they did that first half versus Dallas. If that was the Dream team I could see, I would have no problem bumping them up to that three or four spot, but they are just terribly inconsistent. And I, I just don't know if they can do it. But right now, they're going to stay at that spot, mainly based on their record. Number six, the Chicago Sky. Talked about the Sky team before. Again, they play tough. I like the rotations that Chapman has been playing with. Some of it works, some of it doesn't. But she is willing to roll the dice, and I commend her for that. Number seven, the Dallas Wings. Was a great, solid team. But I really think losing Glory Johnson is really going to hurt this team. And I see them quickly dropping down into the ranks because Glory Johnson is that much of a dynamic force for this team. Number eight, the Phoenix Mercury. Similar to Dallas and Glory Johnson, I do think not having Penny Taylor on this team is a huge detriment. And actually, I wouldn't be surprised if Phoenix and Dallas are fighting each other for that seven and eight spot just to make the playoffs. Number nine, the Indiana Fever. This is my new what the fuck team. I don't know if they're good. I don't know if they're bad. The only thing I do know is that Elena Larkins is good. Tamika Catchings is good. But otherwise, this is a very streaky, inconsistent team. Number 10, the Connecticut Sun. While I do like the strides this team is making, I do think a little bit of it is punching above their weight. They're clearly not ready for the big time yet. But give it some time. And again, I wouldn't be surprised if they can clinch that eight spot in the playoffs. But I do see them as a one-and-done team still. But I like what I'm seeing from this team. And they definitely have a lot of depth on the roster they can take advantage of. I just don't think it's going to happen this year, though. Number 11, the Seattle Storm. Just talked about the Storm. Not going to make the playoffs. Not worth going over again. You know why. Moving on. Number 12, the San Antonio Stars. I mentioned this last week. They lost Kayla McBride, which is a huge blow to them. Lucky for them, Mariah Jefferson has been stepping up and killing it. In fact, I believe she is their leading scorer right now. But still, similar to Seattle, only a handful of good players and the rest of that team is just not worth the damn right now. All right, and that'll do it for this week. Thank you for joining me. I know this went a little bit on the long side, but I really enjoyed watching these games this week. It really lit a fire under me. And it really made me take note of some things uh, regarding some team weaknesses and their strengths and whatnot. And it's just, it's just been exciting. I'm looking forward to the next few weeks before the Olympic break. There's a nice slate of games coming up this week and it's just going to be very fun to watch them all. If you have any comments, questions, requests, feedback, hit me up on my SoundCloud page. Follow me on Twitter at WaymanWilkerson.com or hit up my WordPress site at therecap.net, that's therecap.net, T-H-E-R-E-C-A-P dot N-E-T. Again, be kind and awesome to one another, and a little compassion goes a long way. Until next time, later.